Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From Backpage and the big interview with Graham Hunter, my name is Neil White, and this is our Q&A show for September 2022. Coming up, Graham Hunter, Pete Jensen, and a bunch of questions from our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. They support the podcast and get ad-free, early access episodes, and the chance to send in their questions to this show. This episode goes out to our newest socios, Gavin Skeen, Ryan McFellum, Ryan McMillan, thanks for your support, you three. And thank you to everybody who sent in questions, starting with Liam McLaughlin. Guys, Liam says, I listened to the last column just prior to the derby and the abuse of Vinicius was waiting on this one and it didn't disappoint. Bang on the money, Graham, says Liam. Shameful stuff that requires the most significant punishment. Liam is referring to Graham's column, uh, his audio ESPN column that we put up on the podcast feed. You can find that one right before this one. I'm sure a lot of you have listened to it already. So Graham kind of had his shot at this yesterday. So let's start with you, Pete. What was your reaction to the the racist abuse at the Derby, most noticeably directed at Vinicius Jr.? I think it's it's time to start talking about what can be done rather than just condemning it because, um, you know, condemning it and condemning it and condemning it, it, it ends up being, you know, I think war is a terrible thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, so what can be done? I think there are two things. I think... Um, Closing stadiums works, would work. Um, they missed a trick in Spain um, two years ago when Iñaki Williams was racially abused in a game between Athletic Club um, and Espanyol at Espanyol Stadium. Um, he got taken off in the second half because of that daft rule that you can't just go off where they always have gone off. You have to go off at the nearest point. He had to walk all the way, all the way around the stadium. And when he walked behind the goal, he was racially abused. Now, La Liga are still pursuing the culprits. And I think, in fact, last week there was a breakthrough and, it, and it's, been, it's been accepted by the, the Spain's Grand Prosecution. Um, so that, that's kind of ongoing. Um, but that was the opportunity for the Anti-Violence Committee to say, right, Espanol, you play a game behind closed doors. It's completely unacceptable. If you are not able to 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 keep your fans under control and, and, and to prevent this from happening, then you pay the, the penalty. And people argue against that and say, well, that's punishing everyone um, when the, there were three or four culprits. Um, but it's the only thing, it's the only way I think that we'll get changed because 
once you start punishing the clubs, once the clubs miss out on 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 a on a match day and all the income that comes with that, you watch how quickly they they clamp down and they find those responsible and ban them for life. It'll happen a lot quicker than it's happening now. I know that Atletico Madrid have um, announced a statement this week, uh, or or released a statement this week, saying, "Well, we've banned over fifty uh, individuals in in recent years." Well, you know that whole process that needs to happen would happen a lot quicker if the clubs were actually being hurt in the pocket. And it also sends out the right message because all the time the authorities don't take it seriously, and you see that with the the fines that are handed out, then then the people responsible won't take it seriously either, and it will continue. The other thing I think that that can happen that will help eradicate it is I think players have to speak out more. I was surprised um, uh, in the immediate aftermath to what happened on Sunday that there was no there were no Atletico Madrid players taken to social media and saying I've just seen the disgraceful video. Uh, these idiots don't represent our club. Um, they've disrespected our club. They've disrespected the black players that we have: Jeffrey Condopia, Thomas Lamar, etc. I didn't see a single um, uh, tweet um, from anyone. I know that I know that um, Cunha was upset, but that was more a thing about don't blame Coque, blame the um, blame the media. Um, players have huge power. You know, Nike and Adidas throw millions at these players so they wear their boots because they know that if player X wears those boots then then they'll sell millions more of them so the the, the power that players have um, can't be underestimated and I grew up um, going to football in England in the 80s when when racism was far worse than it is now in Spain um, I remember Man City goalkeeper Alex Williams receiving terrible black goalkeeper Alex Williams receiving terrible abuse uh, it, it just happened every single week. And so I've been trying to think this week what happened in England to make it change, because it did change. Um, and in the course of that decade, from when I started going in the early, late 70s, early 80s to the end of the 80s, the change was remarkable. And I think one of the key things was players. Um, and it was players um, from the club that I supported coming out and saying, when you do this, you're doing it to us as well. You're doing it to, you're doing it to me and you're doing it to my teammates. And I think, um, I mean, maybe this is just me being being too kind towards people. I think, I think in every in every crowd of um, the Espanol thing was different because that was four individuals shouting abuse at, at Iñaki Williams. But when you have a crowd doing the monkey giant, I always think you've probably got ten hardcore racists in there. You've probably got ten people who have got fascist Nazi beliefs. You've also got ninety idiots who are just doing it and they're not thinking about it and they think it's a joke. Um, and I think when when they're made to see, um, because when we talk about p- people need to be educated, what do we mean by that? Do we mean that you know you need to be, you know, need to be taught um, peace and love at school, and then you won't go to football stadiums and, and do this kind of thing? I think it's more specific than that. I think a lot of people, certainly that were doing it in the eighties, would come up with in in England would come up with the excuse, well. You know, I mean, if if the if the opposition centre forward's a bit overweight, then I'm going to call him a fat bastard. If he happens to be a different colour to me, I'm going to you know I'm going to use that. And those people had to had to be educated that it's not the same. Now, why is it not the same? Well, it's not the same because fat people have never been enslaved. Fat people have never been colonialised. Fat people have never been denied the vote. There's never been an apartheid against fat people. It's not the insult in itself. It's everything else that it represents. And most people. Most people, when they come, when they reach a, reach that understanding, 
will change their behaviour. And I know that that's true because I experienced it firsthand standing on the terraces for 10 years supporting my football team. Um, now then, you, you've got to deal with the other 10 in the 100 that are not doing it through ignorance. They're doing it because of what they are. And they need to be kicked out of football and stopped from going to football matches. And it's not difficult to identify them. The ones at Atletico, you can usually identify them because they're doing Nazi salutes during games. So they're easy to pick out. And that brings me back to the first point about punish the clubs, hit them where it hurts, and they'll soon enough find the people that they need to, to get rid of. Barcelona have done it. Real Madrid have done it. Atletico Madrid, very slow in doing it. They say they're doing it. Um, and, and, and I think if you go down those two routes of actually punishing football clubs um, and also players speaking out. And by the way, one more thing before I shut up. Um, great to see the Brazilian players coming out and, to, and defending Vinicius. Let's hope in the, in the coming months that we don't, we don't see one of them supporting Bolsonaro. And maybe even go further than that and, and let's have it um, using their platform to criticise what he's doing in Brazil. Um, because you can't separate what's happening politically in a country or what's happening politically in the world with the way that behaviour goes. And the best example of that is in England because racist abuse was pretty much eradicated 100% in England and over recent seasons it's come back. And that just happens to coincide with the most toxic and racist government that the country's had um, probably in, in, in my living memory. So, you know, there are things that can be done and I think the Anti-Violence Committee is going to, uh, is due today or tomorrow um, to, because La Liga can't take the action, as I understand it. They, they give all the evidence, the, the audio and the video evidence, and it's, this, it's a state, state organisation, the Anti-Violence Committee that sits, and, and, and I'm sure that there'll be a, a fine of, completely, of a completely insignificant amount. And all the time it's not taken seriously in terms of the punishments and it won't be taken seriously by the perpetrators. Neil, in answer to Liam's uh, questionnaire, I, I first of all want to say I've never been involved in a debate or a discussion, either professionally or personally, where there's been a better, more thoughtful, more complete answer than, than Pete's just given. I came on to this discussion, listening to Liam's question, really quite, um, not just pessimistic, but depressed. Because this is a subject whereby I think you can see tributaries of change, little tributaries of change flowing into the main river of complacency and stupidity and, and racism in society in Spain. I said on off the ball the other day, and I meant it, that having had two kids go to school at very different, you know, uh, with a big gap, nine years between them, um, in Spain I, I notice a difference in the curriculum, I notice a difference in what it is and isn't acceptable, but... I also notice that people of a certain age in the school system are still utterly, utterly, not just, not, I'm not saying that we encountered racism, but they are utterly ignorant as to what should and shouldn't be said, what should and shouldn't be done. And one of the things that, again, Pete um, related his understanding of what might be done and to, to what he witnessed happening around him. When I first moved to Glasgow in the early 80s, it was a time when it was... It was a fantastic rush to meet people who had different religions, different language, different skin colours, different cultures. It was immense. It was a boost. It was fantastic. And it completely re-educates you. It reorientates you. And you begin to find as you pursue your adult life in cities like London and travel internationally, that the key th one of the key things um, is, is seeing people in power of... of different colours and religions and cultures and, and 
hearing them speak out, I'd like to think that, you know, there can be change here in Spain as it becomes a more integrated culture. Um, because at the moment, certainly around working class areas where I've lived, there's this phrase about Moors, the Moors, the North African Moors who who conquered parts of Spain eight, nine centuries ago. Moros is, is a is a is a is a phrase that just gets used at the drop of a hat about anybody who's a slightly darker skin tone and it's a pejorative use. There's enormous, enormous, enormous amount of change in work uh, needed. And I I thoroughly believe that Pete was right in saying that the first big step forward is when players, every player, um, not just black players taking solidarity like Cunha um, did for Vinicius, both in written terms on social media and visually before the game when he sought <coughs> Vinicius out, excuse me, to, to give him a, a big embrace. And it, it's without, again, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. I don't understand why players of, of privilege and power don't automatically do this. It's hypothetical, but I know for, for sure if I were um, Alvaro Morata or Iker Munain or... <coughs> Gerard Piquet or Robert Lewandowski or doesn't matter who it is, if I had the luck to be in their position, I would speak out. I would speak out immediately as as Pete has just um, advocated. And I don't know why they don't do it. It might be that, you know, everybody's caught up in their own bubble and they need advice, they need petitions to, to do that. But I, I was given enormous uh, hope that realisation and education might spread via influential footballers uh, when Pete suggested that, it wasn't something that I'd been as, as conscious of as him, that it might be a, a first big step forward. Uh, the next question comes from socio Shane Hurley, who says, have either of you seen the Figo documentary on Netflix? If so, what did you think? And if you were advising Netflix, what gem, what story from La Liga or Spain's past would you like to see get the documentary treatment? Where there's a great documentary albeit it, it doesn't have any relationship to the, the shock value and the seismic international value of, of Figo. It's, it's got to be Joaquin. A crazy guy, um, massive personality. No, I can't believe it. Exactly the same. Exactly the same, Jim. <laughs> well, I took all the adjectives that I'd normally apply to Pete and I was just throwing them at Joaquin because they're very similar in achievements and character, although Pete's a bit younger. You make the case then, Pete, for Joaquin. Well, I mean, um, it, it it sits perfectly to, to, to for the starting point to be the Copa del Rey final 2004-05 and then the Copa del Rey final 2021-22 when he's 40 and he wins it for the second time with the same club. I mean, that's your, that's your, if you're taking it one step on, Graham, you know, we've got the idea to do, to do the Joaquin. Someone's going to nick this, aren't they? And, and they're going to do it. Um, <laughs> Shane, Shane's production company are already in, in negotiations as we as we speak. Yeah, I mean, back to you to, to, to tell the to tell the listeners how wonderful Joaquin is. But that will be that. That's the perfect idea to do the two cup finals. You know this, but it's 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 almost endless, isn't it? About him, because anybody who listens to this will have seen <clears throat> what an enjoyable footballer he is to watch. And there was a stage when simply you'd have said, well. He's been quite a character of the Spanish scene, but a couple of things 
I suppose he was he was fundamental in that crucial moment just before Spain's breakthrough as a tournament winning team in South Korea when they go out to, to what was bent refereeing. And and he's centrally involved in that. There's some drama and there's some post drama revelations when it does turn out that the the refereeing officials were were bent. Um and and any time you listen to him off the pitch, he's I mean, to say unique is too strong, but he's pretty damn close to it because he lives with the... I mean, in the modern idiom, you've got to be careful, but he's got an interesting predilection for dressing up as a woman and, 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 and dancing around his house and filming it and sending it out, which is very much in with the kids at the moment. The interview has there been a really genuinely been a, a funnier Spanish interview than... When he and was it Pete? Was it Baptista? Baptista, Julia Baptista, no. When it's one of these Q and A tests to Joaquin, and the guy says, "What's your favourite sport?" And Joaquin cooks the flash says, "Well, tennis." And whoever the fellow player in the background is keeps a straight face for about twenty five seconds, and then just collapses, hooting with laughter behind, um, behind Joaquin, and says, "You, you've never." picked up a tennis racket in your life and Wacky goes, I know, but I was just I just thought of something to say and they absolutely pissed themselves and his desire to be known as as Julio. Um just the the, the jokes he tells. I, I was in I don't know why I, I tell you what, Euro twenty twenty, I'm I'm living in Seville for long chunks because Spain play there. And there was a local Andalus interview programme and Joaquin comes on and it's it's a sort of version of the old This Is Your Life where he doesn't know that <clears throat> two uh, South Korean girls who have become Joaquin stalkers are, are gonna, have been flown in, are going to be reunited with them because they went to Spain's training camp every day when, they, when Spain were in South Korea and were devoted to Joaquin and fell in love with him so much during that 2002 tournament that when Spain left, they just cashed all their savings, these young girls who were then about 20, um, maybe even younger, and, and flew off to, to Spain to, to follow him and wait to find out where, um, whoever he was playing for at the time, I can't remember if it was Valencia or Betis, where the training camp was, probably Valencia, and they got the training camp and they pitch up in, you know, early August for, for pre-season training, looking for autographs, telling him that they've, telling him that they've followed him all the way from South Korea. And they become friends and they stay in touch and then they've lost touch a little bit and this programme flows flies them across to a talk show where the three of them are sat there and Joaquin is, is treating them like they were his daughters and it's it's just, he's so magnetic, he's outrageously funny. Mm-hmm. And the other week in Europe when they needed a, a big goal um, for, a, I think, a 3-2 win, was it? Was it Ludigaretz? Have I made that up, Pete? Certainly they won 3-2, Joaquin scored, I think he became the oldest scorer in the tournament. He just goes on and on and on, and he's a cup holder and a shareholder in the club. And the the game where the game where they beat Seville five three in the Nervion, Joaquin's interview in the in the flash post matches. Any any of our players who's back home within the next three days, instead of being out partying, get gets fined on the next training session. He's absolutely brilliant. Okay, it's time to take a quick post-whacking break. Back soon with more questions. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. We're back with another one from Socio Gustavo Bagatini. Who asks, does Enes Unal belong in a bigger club? What's stopping him getting there? At times, he looks like a mix of inconsistent, not physical enough, not driven enough. So Manchester City fans may remember Enes Unal from the zero games he played there following a £2 million transfer from Bursa Sport when he was 17. He was loaned out three times by them, I think twice more by Villarreal. But he does seem to have found himself at Hatafe, a Britfree season last year. A good start to this one. Pete, what can you tell listeners who maybe haven't seen too much of this 25-year-old Turkish forward about Enes Unal? Yeah, I think that thing about him sometimes looking um, like um, a proper job top striker and sometimes looking like, you know, after you, Claude, um, you're not going to make it at the highest level. That really... Um, refers to what we're seeing this season and last season and what we saw before. I think last season he was transformed, um, whether it was Kiki Sanchez-Flores or whether it, it was just um, you know time to wake up and, and start um, fulfilling his potential. But um, he was a revelation last season um, and all the things that he'd previously been... Um, Timid, um, not aggressive enough, um, not anticipating the ball arriving... All that was gone, um, and I was surprised in the summer that nobody, that nobody really came in for him. As as far as we know, Hitafe always—they're not a particularly wealthy club, but they always seem to find a little bit of money when they want to make something happen. Um, and uh, they've given him a five-year deal, so you know that that's that's clear that he's been he's been looked after. But he he can definitely play at high level. He should be playing in a, in the Europa League side at the at the very least. And there are a couple of teams higher up the table, who could desperately do with someone who knows how to, to finish. Um, he's technically a very good player, so all that was missing was that aggression um, um, and, you know, sharpening that um, ability to, to be in the right place at the right time. And he showed it last season, he's showing it again this season. I'd be surprised, I don't think he'll, he'll, he'll see out that five-year contract. I think I think he will go on to, to better things. Gustavo, um, <clears throat> Pete, as usual, has, has 
you know, not sixes out of the park there. There's only two things I'll throw in. I was really struck last season once um, Ennis began to score and began to act like a leader. When our one of our, you know, favourite um, analysts, pundits on the station, Terry Gibson, in commentary on Ennis, pointed out that it was relatively rare across Ennis's career that he'd been played with a second striker. And initially, the, the thing with Sandro didn't work all that well, but there were hints that with Sandro doing a certain type of running, asking different questions of particularly central defenders, that gave Ennis a little bit more space. As soon as Borja um, clicked with him, it, it began to show that if, if Ennis feels that some of the things he was being asked to do that he's not particularly good at, which is roughing up a centre-half, getting involved in tangles, dragging them into certain areas, then as a beneficiary, he suddenly was doing things that he knew he was good at. It, it, it was a boost to his confidence. It gave him a second or two extra on the ball. And, and the elixir, obviously, for any footballer is confidence. And when he started to score, it had been a long time. In fact, last season's goal total was the best since he'd played in the Eredivisie. And I'll throw in a second little anecdote to close off that we, we filmed him when he was at Valladolid and his wife, I think, is a Dutch professional footballer. And as part of the, the jollity of fo- uh, filming with them, there was a trip from the house to, to, to the training ground that, that we, we were allowed to be in the car with. And we just asked them to chat away normally and the, the, the digging up from her to him was, I'm a better player than you, I'm a better striker than you. And there aren't many elite level footballers who'll take that even as a joke from their wife and <coughs> she may have been right and I'm not in any way being sh- chauvinist here but if we think that one of the um, points about Ennis is that he's, a, he's actually a rather gentle guy then I, I thought we saw evidence of the fact that you know so many strikers that we've all had experience of whether it's meeting them writing about them watching them on the TV or idolising them they're hard beasts they're hard minded Ego drives them, and uh, he was one of these guys who was like, oh, 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 that's quite funny, and blah, blah, blah. And domestic harmony is, is very important, but it was rare to see a, a top striker saying, well, you know, I can take that kind of ribbing, no problem at all. And, and I think it actually, it caught him at a time in Viadley when he wasn't scoring. I think it stung quite a lot. So he, he's a gentle soul who currently happily feels that he can, he can do the things with the gifts that he was... Uh, born with that he should have been doing for a couple of years now. Well, it's Richard and Oldfield, Sevilla. Honestly, it drives me around the bend. To be honest with you, I, I think Lopetegui's done such a great job in the last couple of years. He's not got the credit for it that he deserves. He's delivered for me without a top class striker, uh, decent league positions. Okay, some people think they should have done better, but I don't. This season, even worse. Still no decent striker. Obviously, not really replaced the, uh, you know, Carlos Conde centre back combo. I feel that it should have walked in the summer. I feel it's inevitable it'll go, but give me some Lopetegui love, man. Honestly, uh, people just are deluded. He's doing a great job, and this year's been let down by Monty, who thinks had a bad window. Cheers. Richard, both Pete and I know how much you know about Spanish football, so all you're getting from us is opinion rather than really new facts. Uh, You know, you do your research, you follow your games. I think this isn't a chance for any journalist not to be hypocritical. Certainly, in my case, I often argue that 
it's unjust when a, a manager, a coach, carries the full burden of ineptitude or mistakes around him. And therefore, although I, I haven't enjoyed Lopetegui's work, and although I, I believe it took him so long, he didn't listen to what we were saying, but during particularly the second half of last season on La Liga television, I was consistently saying he needs to be more daring. He needs to be less risk averse in the situation he's found himself in because there was just if you want to clutch at um, the Spain team that he coached, it was adventurous football, it was attacking, it was fun to watch. I'm not saying that he, he's a character who um, is indelibly linked with, with dull football. That's not the case. But it, <clears throat> he he was like clenching his buttocks around him at Sevilla. There was problems and there were injuries and there were there was pressure and the fans were... And the more that that happened, the more he, he his, his sphincter tightened last season. And at Espanyol, there was a little examination. He, he got away with it when he went, roll the dice, I'm all in here. And he went, um, particularly, you know, Carmona worked. He he played in Naziri in the team, but he played him wide. He played false nine. Uh, is it Solas, the central defender? People correct me if I've... Salas, pardon me, excuse me. And, you know, it worked. They ended up clinging on, but, but it did work. There's been an acknowledgement that Dimitrovic might have to have a little bit more football. And therefore... I don't exempt him completely, Richard. But you're a product of the work tools that you're given. And I think it's inarguable by Monchi's own standards. If you look back over his entire reign, there have been one or two moments when by his own admission, Monchi's own admission, players haven't fitted particularly well. Managers haven't coped with the pressure of being at Sevilla. Uh, if I'm, again, I'm reaching for, I wish I'd done my research here on Kursakov, was the striker that came in. Marcelino was a striker, uh, was a coach that um, Monchi really liked. And whenever you speak to anybody at Sevilla about how diligent Marcelino was, how hard he worked, it should have come off. It didn't. He admitted his mistakes. He accepted that, you know, that a certain bet had gone wrong. But over his record in general, Monchi has been somebody in within uh, to whom you must posit a lot of faith. His last six, seven, eight signings really <clears throat> haven't performed at Munchie level. That's a lot of signings for um, a club who, for example, were, were punched about in Europe last season, really punched about. And different conclusions must have been should have been drawn. Munchie said, we're trying a different model, we're, we're extending our, our debt, we're, we're spending a lot more. Okay, that's fine. That's one of his justifications for where they are right now, but it, it hasn't worked. There is a serious problem either with competitors in the market outperforming Munchie and it's just simply because they've upped their game or some of Munchie's network is not doing as well and therefore Lopetegui Richard suffers from that without question suffers from that and <clears throat> therefore the, the key the key questions would be is it such a toxic atmosphere at Sevilla which it can become that Lopetegui has no way back because the fans are so ultra ultra demanding we talk about many clubs around Europe where there's a different personality and it's not we'll support you to the last second Sevilla fans are either scaldingly hot in their love or else pretty arctic cold in their distaste and at the moment there's, there's not a lot of wriggle room in how to sign who to sell um not just because the market isn't uh isn't open right now but th there's there's a there's little wriggle room for them to say yeah three big signings that's what we'll do we we know the right players the money's not there the 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 
the financial fair play from La Liga hamstrings them a little bit. And genuinely, I think the absolute crystal clear problem is that he, Lopetegui still has a squad upon whom he could largely count to fight for fourth place and maybe fight for um, a run in the cup. And let's leave the Champions League aside because I, I, I'm I'm not convinced that they've got the, the capacity to, to get out of that group personally. However, they have to keep the players fit. And I, I don't know exactly whose problem it is, but Marcao, you talked about Richie. Marcao hasn't been fit since he signed. And when asked about it at the weekend, Lopetegui went, talk to the doctors, don't talk to me. Couldn't have been more pissed off. You know, he lost Lamella and Suso, two key players to open up nil-nil games, 1-1 games last season. And I, I thought it was really illuminating when Kunde talked about, or when he made his decision that he was definitely leaving, it stemmed from being 2-0 up against Real Madrid at halftime and losing 3-2 in a game whereby maybe Sevilla still didn't truly believe they could win the title, but arithmetically they still could have done. They spent 45 minutes tanning Madrid's arses and then they surrendered. And Kunde went, well, listen, if that's the mood here, I'm out of here. So there are bigger problems to solve than Julian Lopetegui, but Richard, you know very well that normally football operates in a, in a predetermined manner and it's like sat the coach yeah one of one of my um one of the questions i've got about sevilla richard is why why they can't bully the other teams in in la liga in terms of of who they sign they've they've now spent quite a few seasons um playing european football we know the money that comes in from playing in the champions league and, and from winning the europa league it's one thing to be in it it's not no great shakes but you go all the way and you win it then that's lucrative um, so why in the summer when they really needed quick fixes because they were losing so much, you're losing the heart of your cent- the centre of your defence, why couldn't they have gone out and, and, and just put the money on the table and got, for example, Catena at Rio, I think's great, or David Garcia at Osasuna, I think's great. Now, presumably they thought of that, but they just weren't able to do it because Osasuna would have said, well, you want David Garcia, it'll cost you what you're getting for Kunde. Um so, so that's a that's a question that I have. I I'm I feel forever obliged to defend Monchi because he's one of the few people in football that will will give you a straight answer. Um, will explain things to you. I was lucky enough to interview him a few years back um, with uh, Sid, and it was a great experience sitting down in his office. And he lights his first cigarette and says, "Do you mind if I smoke?" And you know, what are you going to say? No, we'd rather you didn't, Monty, in your office. Um, and he regaled us with tales of you know back in the day when he was Sevilla's second keeper and. Um, Maradona was at the club and Maradona pointing out that his Rolex wasn't a real Rolex and the next day buying him a proper Rolex. Wonderful stories. And we all know that he is the, the doyen of, of, you know, of, of money ball in, in football. Um, and we know he has this famous list of for each position, there are five options. Um, and I think some people at the moment are, are thinking to themselves, you know, if, if, if Nansu, without being cruel to Nansu, who's still very, very young and may well, I'm sure will, he will come good. But a lot of people are asking if Nansu was the first, then, you know, who was the fourth and fifth choice? I think they needed this summer to to just go off the Monchi path in as much as they needed to concentrate on bringing players in who knew who knew La Liga. And and for some reason they didn't do that. And it's a, it's a mystery why they didn't. And, 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 it's, and it's costing them. Okay, that's all we have time for for this part one of our monthly Q&A. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Graham. Thanks to all of you who sent in questions and the rest of you for listening. We'll be back with part two of the September Q&A 
from the big interview with Graham Hunter very soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.